living subversively in this world, we become accommodating to the world so that we don't have to have any issues with it. And my friends, Jesus says, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate, oh, how blessed are those who have been actively and aggressively persecuted for their orientation to God. This is why I love Jesus. Everyone's like, oh yeah, Jesus is so good. Jesus is not safe sometimes. Jesus is good. He's loving. And he does give grace to any and all who come to him in repentance. He gave his life up for you after all, but Jesus isn't always safe. Today, Pastor Daniel will share that as a follower of Jesus, you will face opposition. Some people just won't accept the truth and the love that's available to them. Don't give up, though. Jesus' cause is always worth fighting for, no matter the persecution that you'll likely endure. Now, here is Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Beauty of Gentleness. We live in a day and age where everyone's, I'm being persecuted for my beliefs. It's like, no, sometimes people just don't like the fact that you're a jerk. And so I always say that if you're a Christian, you should never be a jerk. Does that make sense? But here's the thing. If you are a Christian... Sometimes people won't like it. And my friends, that's not really all that fun, is it? That when you choose to live in such a way that now all of a sudden you become a target for somebody because of the way that you're living, because of the things that you are doing, because of righteousness. Now, righteousness literally means all the things that pertain to right. It means proper conduct before God. See, it's even more than just being good. It indicates an entire orientation of life that is towards God and towards his will. Now, here's what I'll say. is because of the pressure of conformity in our culture is always very strong. You realize that, right? That like, it's like, if you're not like everybody else, the pressure to conformity is very, very strong. And so here what you find is that you and I, as followers of Jesus, are called to live in such a way that the entire orientation of our life is towards God and towards God's will, no matter what the external pressures to conformity might be. So everyone could say, you're supposed to do this thing. But if Jesus says, actually, I want you to do this thing, we do that. And we do not make any excuses for doing that. We just live that way. But here's the thing. For most of us, the reasons that our Christianity is not biblical Christianity is because we have allowed ourselves, because of those pressures to conform, we've allowed ourselves to leave the simple reality of what it means to follow Jesus. And isn't it true? Haven't we all found ourselves doing that? We've all found ourselves cutting a few corners in Jesus to kind of keep the status quo of what's going on. And unfortunately, what goes on is this isn't even for persecution. This is just pressure to conform. But you realize that right now across the globe, there are people who literally their faith in Jesus has them marked for arrest, for death, just by their faith. 
When I was serving and, and doing some missionary work in the southern part of India, there was a pretty bad persecution that went on there about 10 years ago. And I met all of these pastors who had burn marks and, you know, they were whipped and they had just all these scars. And they were, they were like, Pastor, can you pray for us for boldness? Because in the persecution, this is what happened. And I'm like, what was going on? They're like, they just wanted to quench Christianity in this region. And we would not stop preaching. See, you and I have to realize that we are blessed that we can practice our faith so outwardly. I mean, just think about it right now. It's like you're here at Crossroads, right? We got a website. Right now, the service is beaming all over the world on the internet, on the TV, and on the radio. Big sign. You can go on your social media and type in, I'm at Crossroads Community Church. Jesus is real. And you know what happens? You're allowed to do that. You realize there are places in this world right now where people are gathering together in small rooms hoping that nobody knocks. I was in the Middle East and I went to a, an underground church in the Middle East and I remember not even thinking about what that meant. And I remember I pulled up to this building and it was like there was just buildings. But there was no sign on it and there was a fence all around it with barbed wire over the top. And when we went up to the gate, the person who was taking us around talked to the person and, and then they opened the door and went on in. And I'm like, where are we? Like, this is the church. And I'm like, oh, there's not even a sign on the church. Why? Because they don't want anyone to know that they're there. And I walked into this building and literally there was 500 believers in there. And when worship happened, worship happened in three languages. None of them were the language that I understood, which is English, which I'm still figuring out. And the worship was so powerful. And I started talking with the pastor and he, and I said, you know, and there's armed guards outside. Like, and I'm just like, so this is how it is. And he's like, yeah, but look at what God is doing. See, you and I must never forget that we follow a person who was persecuted for righteousness sake. Isn't that what the cross of Jesus Christ is? Our salvation came from the fact that Jesus lived with his entire life oriented to God. So much of he says, I always do those things which please my father. I always live the beautiful life that God would have for me. And they killed him for it. And the witness of the people of God, when you live in such a way that is completely oriented to God, at certain points will run in absolute conflict with the culture that we live in. And brothers and sisters, listen, here in the West, we're not at that place. And I'm so grateful for that. Because how many of us would really follow Jesus if it could cost us our lives? But you know the thing that's really ironic Following Jesus is supposed to cost you your life. You see that, right? Not your life physically, but you give up a self-styled life to follow the crucified and resurrected Savior. But for many of us, we've kept the self-styled life and want to sprinkle a little Jesus on top of it. And because of it, we never run into conflict with the world in which we live which I also think is one of the biggest problems. Rather than living subversively in this world, we become accommodating to the world so that we don't have to have any issues with it. And my friends, Jesus says, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate, oh, how blessed are those who have been actively and aggressively persecuted for their orientation to God. 
This is why I love Jesus. Everyone's like, oh yeah, Jesus is so good. And so Jesus is not safe sometimes. Jesus is saying to you and to me, brother, sister, the way you're living is too safe. The choices you're making in order to make sure that everything works out for you sometimes makes you live in a way that is antithetical to the gospel. This is why I love Jesus so much. Because you have to ask yourself, in what ways am I cutting corners so that I don't have to suffer any of the struggles that comes from living for God in a world that doesn't? Listen to the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and 17. And who is he who will harm you if you become a follower of what is good? What a great question, right? Who's going to hurt you if you follow what's good? And then he says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you're blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So you hear what he's saying? See, Peter's saying, look, if you follow what's good, no harm should come to you. But if harm does come, at least let it come to you because you know you're living the right way. And not because you're living the wrong way. So for you and I, you realize that the beautiful life that is here for us in Christ, it will sometimes put us in conflict in the world in which we live. And our job is not to diminish our witness, but to simply realize that like Jesus, we are blessed. We are favored and fortunate when the world in which we live doesn't accept the faith that we hold. Now, think about the flow of the Beatitudes now, right? It begins with spiritual bankruptcy. It begins with this poverty of spirit, right? And then it moves to mourning. Because you have a soft heart, this, my spiritual bankruptcy now leads my heart to break for not only me, for the world. And I land on meekness, right? I land on this, I'm, devo- I'm over myself. Meekness. Right? And when you get to the end of yourself, then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it says that you'll be satisfied. And then from being satisfied by God, then you become a person who's merciful because you realize that you've received mercy, right? And God is doing a purifying work in your heart. And because of the purifying work that God is doing in your heart, you become a peacemaker. Which is all good until the fact that even when you want to be a peacemaker, you can't make peace with someone who doesn't want to be at peace with you. And then you land on, sometimes, you get persecuted for righteousness sake. It's kind of sobering, isn't it? I mean, it's not something we like to talk about, especially, I mean, we live in a culture that is driven by comfort. If it makes me uncomfortable, I don't do it. But when you realize that there are brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world right now who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus, it makes all the petty things that we complain about kind of seem real small, doesn't it? You know, it it was funny. I was talking to someone 
you know, just earlier and they were just like, man, you know, like when you think about how hard it can be to be a follower of Jesus for some people, it really makes you get over all the petty things you complain about. Some people are like, I can't believe I have to go to church at eight o'clock. I love nine o'clock. Right? I can't believe I have to go to the 12 o'clock. The 11 o'clock was so sweet. I can't believe they make me park my car across the way and bust me in because we have space problems at Crossroads. I can't believe the music is too loud or soft, too contemporary, not contemporary enough. I can't believe they put reclaimed barnwood on the kiosks. Comfortable problems, my friends. We need to keep life in perspective. Like, right now, we can gather together. You can invite your friends. No problems. But it's not true for everybody. And Lord willing, it will always be this comfortable for us. But you know what the problem, when something's comfortable? We get a little lazy, don't we? When it always comes so easy, right? You take it all for granted. But you look at the early church with all the suffering that they endured and they would say that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Because when it costs you something, it changes the way you live. Because you're like, I really have to be here no matter what. Now, I'm not naive enough to want to glamorize persecution. I've never experienced it. Not in a life or death way. But the thing is, is that the Bible says, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That shall is a rough word. It will happen. Now, here's the question for you. Are you willing to follow Jesus even if people get upset with you? Are you willing? And to me, that is the big question that separates the wheat from the chaff, the wheat from the tares. That's the question that separates the way that you choose to live your life and what drives your life. Now, what's interesting, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you have to realize that the kingdom of God is unacceptable to many. Right? Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you have to realize that not everybody is interested in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, the idea of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's the place where God reigns. Now, I would say that we live in a day and age where the, the overarching kingdom is the kingdom of self. Right? They call it the me generation. They talk about the narcissism or the entitlement. The orientation of our culture is to, it's about me and what I want, right? And what's, it's really, it is fascinating though, because if you look at America historically, right, there was a time, especially what we call the great generation because of the wars that they fought, that there was a much greater sense of community or a nationalism, Right? And now as that has moved, and, and listen, each way has its own strengths and weaknesses. But now we live in the selfie generation. Now, I'm not knocking the kids because you older folks take as many selfies as the kids do. 
We know it's true, right? We see your Instagram feeds too, you know? So it's like we live in a day where now it's about the self. And here's the thing. The kingdom of God is the place where God reigns. And there can only be one kingdom reigning in a heart at any one given time. So when Jesus, in that classic model prayer that we call the Our Father prayer, when he says, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we're asking for God's kingdom to come, we're also saying that our own kingdom has to leave. You can't have two kingdoms at the same time. There's always conflict in the midst of two kingdoms. And if you are on the throne of your life, then Jesus definitely is not. See, you have to allow Jesus to take that central place in your life. And for the people of God, the kingdom of God is where God reigns, which is in our hearts. But that kingdom is not acceptable to many people. And that's why persecution happens. There are times when the kingdom of God is sought to be forcibly removed from the world. And if you've ever read the history of the church, this is very, very Unfortunately, common in the history of the church. In the early church, obviously, first they were persecuted by the Jewish people who didn't believe that Jesus was Messiah. And then they were persecuted by Rome. You can read that in the book of Acts and that first set of generations. Then, of course, when Christianity became the religion of the Roman Empire in the early 4th century, then all of a sudden there was a period of relative peace until a group of people began to pull away from the state-sponsored church because of its corruption, and they began to go out to the wilderness. They call them the Desert Fathers. And guess what? There was persecution against those people. Right? See, and what you find is that even in the history of the church, there is always people who pull away because they say, this is a problem. They pull away, and then they're attacked for all different reasons. So sometimes the attacks come with from within. Sometimes they come from the outside. Like when China forcibly tried to remove Christianity in the great purging. Now, what's amazing is, is right now in the world, the church in China is the single largest church in the world. It's amazing. But the Chinese government forcibly sought to suppress Christianity. Right now, across the Middle East, Southeast Asia, in Asia, Christianity is being forcibly oppressed because the kingdom of God is unacceptable to many. But Jesus told us it would be the case. Listen to John 15, verses 17 to 21. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Wow. I mean, you see the the juxtaposition. See, this is why our culture needs to hear the teachings of Jesus. He's like, look, love one another. But guess what? Even as you love one another, there many people are going to hate you. And isn't that the realism of the Bible? You get to think, I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to love people. That upward, inward, and outward framework from the greatest commandment. And everyone's going to think I'm great. And then Jesus is like, yeah, love one another. And they're going to hate you because they hated me too. And listen... You know what you have to realize, my friends? 
your job and my job is to simply respond to Jesus and only live how he wants us to. And everyone is going to feel how they feel about what you do. And that's not your problem. Your problem is not to try and make everybody happy. In some ways, a lot of people think of life the way you would think of maybe one of these talent shows on TV. The Voice, American Idol, America's Got Talent, Kids Got Talent, right? Somebody goes up there and they do their thing and then a bunch of people tell them if it was good or not. And I always love the people who, when the judges say, you're no good, they're like, well, what do you know? You know? You know why they're my favorite people? Because they're not doing it for the judge. I mean, some of them just doing it just to, to get, go viral on YouTube, and that's kind of sad. But that's a different discussion. You know what I mean? It's like, but the people who do it, not for the judges, but because they want to do it, to me, that's the most beautiful thing. Because in a lot of ways, that's the way we need to live our lives. You say, God, I want you to be praised. I want you, your pleasure in my life. I want you to have joy in who I am. And Lord, whatever everyone says, all the peanut gallery who says this about this and this about this, that's not my problem, Lord. Because all I care about is your kingdom touching down in my life. And I think that for a lot of us, we've lost that. We're so busy trying to make everyone happy, trying to make the kids happy, trying to make the parents happy, trying to make this person happy. Too many pastors spend their whole lives trying to make their congregations happy, and they wonder why the church is dying. Because nothing good ever happened when everyone had to agree by committee. You realize that, right? The children of Israel by committee got the golden calf. Was that good? No. It was bad. See, we have to start to live upward and letting upward drive everything. But for many of us, we're living outward and we're trying to let the outward drive our relationship with God. It never works. You have to come to terms with the fact that if you're a follower of Jesus, not everyone's going to like that. And listen, what we have now is we have a culturally acceptable pop Christianity that's becoming very popular. Where pastors go on major news networks and they say exactly what they're supposed to say. You know why? Because they're not willing to be the blessed ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Because they're trying to accommodate a kingdom where the kingdom of God is unacceptable. And you know what the thing is though? If the kingdom of God is unacceptable to those and you line up with the kingdom of the world, then guess what? You're not part of the kingdom of God. Our job is to be in the world and to be salt and light in the midst of it. Jesus said it this way, Luke 10, 16. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Jesus is real. Are you willing to live your life fully sold out for Jesus, even if people get upset? That's the question Pastor Daniel asked today in his message. He also reminded you that the Bible says you will be persecuted for your faith. It's going to happen if you follow Jesus. But he also shared that you'll be blessed when you're persecuted for Jesus' sake. His cause is always worth fighting for, no matter what the world says. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel acknowledges the desire in all of humanity to fight back when something is wrong. Your natural tendency when you face persecution will be to retaliate. However, Pastor Daniel will also share the accompanying fruit of the Spirit for persecution, gentleness. This may seem counterintuitive, but it's exactly what Jesus demonstrated in his own life. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Beautiful. Until then, may God bless.